What's up, everybody? I am Ryan McNichols, host of Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Rich Hauk, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is still Tuesday, September 20th. We are going to be wrapping up the later slate of games as well as the 1 o'clock claims that we did not get to on our last episode. Finishing up, again, our reaction to week two of the NFL season. And, again, still figuring things out. Going to do a few more bits this episode to kind of guide us through. And hopefully this will be a little bit shorter than the last one because we don't have so many injuries to go through. And we've already got our whining about our football, our fantasy teams out of the way. So, with that being said, um, I don't really have anything to filibuster with. Plant any any thoughts or anything before we jump into the games, or yeah, let's, let's just get let's to get it. Let's get right into it. Let's right. jump on in. All right. So, we are going to start with a new little segment. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's based off the segment "Where in the world is Carmen San Diego?" Except this time, it's uh, "Where in the world is this NFL player?" So. Going to go through the games, and basically we're going to try to figure out where some of our favorite players and teams went. Start off with the New York Giants versus the Carolina Panthers. 1916 game, another clunker, you know, one of the two 1 o'clock games that we got here in addition to the Steelers-Patriots clunker. So, this was a bad slate of games this week. Yeah, it was, it was rough. So, let's start with, uh, where in the world is Christian McCaffrey? It's not the CMC of old. No, there's a Christian McCaffrey on the field. He, he's putting up points. He's putting up stats. But I'm not. I, I'm not seeing. He's yet to eclipse 20 fantasy points in a game. Where's he's that, played two of them. Where's that ceiling I, I heard about all offseason? So I mean, what do we think about this? He is still out there. He's their number one back. It's not like there's any competition. It just doesn't seem like Baker Mayfield wants to check it down to his running back. No, it, it doesn't look that way. And I, I think part of it too is by design. Maybe try and limit his touches, keep him healthy for longer. Um, it's just, you're not getting the guy that you drafted a lot of times at number two overall. All right, and here's the thing. It's not even, I don't know that you can fully complain about volume. He had 15 carries and five targets. He's getting 20 opportunities in a game. The problem is, like, I just I feel like he needs a majority of his opportunities to be passing game volume in order for him to be efficient. You know, now if he gets a touchdown here, there's it's a little bit different as far as we're talking yeah. about scoring wise. He still hasn't gotten you know the touchdown for you, but this offense has not looked impressive. I don't know that I see a lot of touchdowns in the future for the Carolina Panthers. It, it, yeah, it, they haven't looked good. We're all accustomed to, to ten targets for McCaffrey. Like that was what he got when he was the the number one fantasy player. Like, that's what you could bank on. Yeah, we get 10 targets, and, you know, he'll have seven catches for 60 yards and a touchdown or something, you know, and throw on his – anything he gets in the rushing game is just gravy on top. But it's uh, – when he's not getting that, that passing game volume anymore. Yeah. So my concern with Christian McCaffrey going this season, I, was, I just didn't think he would stay healthy and finish the game. I thought he could be out there and get you 20-plus fantasy points a game when he's out there playing. I just didn't know how long he'd be out there playing for you. So – I guess this is kind of where you have to decide. He's not flopping. It's not like he's putting up five points no. for you. I think he's got 15 and 19 fantasy points in the – or 16.8 this past week. And I think he got you about 19 or something last week, 15 points. 15 and 16 points last week. Um, so it's not like he's killing your team, but I guess this is what you kind of need to decide. Would you rather have Christian McCaffrey getting you 20-plus points for half the season – 
or are you okay if he gets you 15 points a game every game this season? That's an interesting question. I don't know how I feel about that right now. I feel like people who took him second, third overall, where he typically went, probably aren't probably want the eight games with 20 points, and they'll figure out what to do in the other ones. But I don't know. I might have felt. I think I'd lean the other way. I would lean the other way, but I think the ups the appeal to McCaffrey is his upside. And typically, when you're drafting somebody two or three, you want the safe floor with the plus of the upside. If the upside's no longer there, there are just some other guys. You could have possibly maybe grabbed or maybe pivoted to a wide receiver instead if you're not feeling about the running backs. We still need to see a third week to determine a lot of where these top running backs are going to come out. Yeah, he could blow up this week, and then we just look like idiots. Exactly. You know, we'll see. So, also with that, DJ Moore. Where in the world's DJ Moore? Hey, man, he had a touchdown this week. He had a touchdown that saved his fantasy week. If we were doing our <laughs> other, if we were doing our other segment of he'd ball be, bailed and bailed, bailed he'd be bailed out with a touchdown catch because he is just not seeing any volume. I mean, nobody really saw any volume in this game. They attempted twenty nine passes. He had six targets, caught three of them for forty three yards and a touchdown. He's the leading receiver, but the leading receiver on the team got you, you know, thirteen fantasy points, thirteen and a half fantasy points. So I don't know. It's just it's it's. Between last week's performance and this week's performance, I don't know if there's... Again, I just felt like the floor was maybe a little bit higher, even though the ceiling wasn't going to be there. I didn't expect the ceiling to jump through the roof, but I thought the floor would be a little higher. I thought, I thought I'd have a 13 and a 15-point game, not a 9 and a 13-point right. game. So I'd like to see week three for DJ Moore and how this offense... Because Matt Rule needs to get it together. Matt Rule, Cliff Kingsbury... Those two are competing for which guy is going to get fired first. Cliff might have just bought himself some time with this win that the Cardinals managed to pull out of their butts. But Matt Rule, on the other hand, looks like he's heading in the wrong direction. He needs to get his act together. So, I had Saquon Barkless for this section. I don't know that he necessarily disappeared, but relative to what he did last week, and this is why I said, wait, don't make any crazy moves. I saw, I saw people proposing crazy trades to try to get Saquon Barkley after week one, yep. after week one and I'm like, his issue has been health, and you're just, after one week, deciding he's going to be healthy all season again. He has 11.8 fantasy points this week. Did I read that right? Yes. 11.8 fantasy points this week. This was a clunker of the game. Again, but this was more of what I expected the Giants' offense to be like. I didn't really expect much from anybody. You know, you go through that team, which brings us to, you know, the last part. Where in the world is any wide receiver for the New York Giants? Kenny Galladay, his, se- yeah, <laughs> Kenny Galladay his $72 million contract. He cleared out his locker early. Kadarius Tony's got on the field but somehow still isn't involved in the offense. Sterling Shepard seems to be their guy there, and I just don't understand why. You know, you got 10 targets, caught six of them for 34 yards. I just... Richie James led the team in, in, in receiving yards, five catches for 51 yards on six targets. I'm not putting any stocks in Richie James. I'm not – I don't – if you drafted Saquon Parkley, I guess you're debating using him as a RB2 or a flex at this point. I'm not because I didn't have any stocks of him. But if you ha- Saquon, you're using him. Other than that, I'm not interested in any member of the Giants' no offense. Thanks. Yeah, pass. Okay. On the other side, Carolina Panthers. Again, DJ Moore. I'm benching DJ Moore in a league I have him in in, in redraft, the, the one that I have him in. I have T. Higgins. I have Drake London. 
I have Rashad Bateman. I have Garrett Wilson. I'm having trouble keeping DJ Moore. Than, oh, I have Christian Kirk, too. Yeah. So I've got T. Higgins, Christian Kirk, and Drake London, and, and DJ Moore out. I just... The other two are getting the the other even with the imbalance with the passing offense and the Bengals. T Higgins still has more targets, and the other two clearly have more targets than DJ Moore at this point. It's just volume is king, and it, it's crazy that I'm going to have Christian Kirk at Drake London starting over DJ Moore. DJ Moore, who I took in like the fourth round, and Christian Kirk, who Drake London, who I got in the double digit rounds. So, but it's fantasy I, football. I, I told you those guys who get the targets are going to produce fantasy points for you. So there you go. So we can move on from that to the next game, San Francisco 49ers. Let you start us off with that. Yeah, the Niners beat the Seattle Seahawks 27-7. to And we'll start with where in the world is Debo Samuel? So 14.7 points from Debo Samuel this week. He had six, tar- he had six targets, five catches for 44 yards. He's involved in the run game still, four carries for 53 yards. Insanely efficient in the rushing game mm-hmm. for Debo Samuel. Not a whole lot of volume. Uh, you didn't need to be. They, they were up 27-7 to in this game against the Seattle Seahawks. Samuel, somebody in the past, has had some durability issues. Why force-feed him the ball if you don't need to force-feed him the ball? I know you've had some injuries at running backs that we talked about in the last episode with Elijah Mitchell and Tyrion Davis-Price going down. And you would think maybe that gets him a few more rushing attempts. But again, a game where you're up, you don't really need to. So, Debo Samuel... Again, he hasn't killed you. He got you 14.7 points this week. I believe he got you double-digit points last week, although, again, it was low teens, I believe. So, not the quite the top five guy that maybe we were expecting, but also, I might be completely off about last week now that I'm thinking about it. Did he go off last week? And I'm not. double-check on that. I don't think so. Two catches on seven targets. No, he didn't go off last week. He might have done something in the wrong game, but it wouldn't have been enough. Okay, so yeah, I'm not crazy. So, yeah, Debo Samuel's still inside my top ten. He's moving down a little bit, though, and we'll see how things go forward from here. Jimmy Garoppolo back under center for the 49ers. Uh, where in the world are the 49ers running backs at? On injured reserve. Yeah, they're on injured reserve. It's the answer to that That's question. They are. And then finally, where in the world is DK Metcalf? Rich, I know this is dear, near and dear to your heart. Yeah, as a DK Metcalf owner in uh, Dynasty... Some kind of stings a little bit, but I mean, it was, its not to be—it wasn't unexpected. Like it didn't come out of nowhere. We were worried about DK, but the thing that is most concerning is the the average depth of target. <laughs> I don't have the number offhand, but I mean, you just look at his last two—the the two game logs. He's got eight point eight yards per catch last game, five point one week one. Right, he had seven catches for thirty-six yards in week one. Followed that up with four catches for 35 yards. And it's just like, what happened? I know it's a different quarterback, and Geno's not going to push the ball down the field like Russell Wilson did, but we're not even giving the dude a chance. I mean, they did on the one that got called back for penalty. I don't know if you remember that from the game. DK made a great one-handed catch down the field. But outside of that, he's not getting any opportunities down the field. And that's his bread and butter. He has 81 yards total this season. Like, if you told me... That's with 11 catches. He has 81 yards. If you told me that DK Metcalf had 81 yards, I would guess that he had four or five catches. Right. Like just flip it the other way. After two weeks, we said DK Metcalf had 11 catches. How many yards do you think he'd have? Well over, well, well over. We're talking close to 150 plus, right? probably. He's got 88. <laughs> 
81. No, I, I oversold it. <laughs> 81. So it's upsetting. Hopefully, the hope is if you, you have them in Dynasty. Honestly, the realistic hope for you is they have a top pick and they you get, get a good quarterback. <laughs> yeah. But for our, our redraft listeners, they're in a tough spot with DK Metcalf. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Lockett got 11 targets this past week, so it, it's kind of the same thing that Russ did, where it seems week to week the targets might kind of shift. But the problem is the floor is falling out for these guys. And so if you – I'm in three redraft leagues. I know that in two of them, Garrett Wilson's still available. If you can grab somebody like Garrett Wilson, Rashad Bateman – Another wide receiver that went off that I can't remember. Uh, Noah Brown for the Dallas Cowboys. If you can grab one of those guys that is available, I'm just trying to give you guys that I know will be available on waiver for you. That's somebody I would look to grab possibly to replace DK Metcalf. And I know that sounds crazy to replace DK Metcalf like Noah Brown or Garrett Wilson, but volume is volume, and you know somebody's getting volume better volume than DK Metcalf and his you know average like four depth of targets that he's got this season. It's just it's not good. So I'm nervous. And, again, there's other guys where, like, if you have Drake London, I'm starting Drake London over DK Metcalf. I mean, I have Drake London really high up there. I'm starting Drake London over Metcalf. I'm starting Allen Robinson over he's Metcalf. Been, Drake London's been top 20 the first two weeks, and it, I don't see it changing. At this point, I'd probably take Rashad Bateman over DK Metcalf because at this point I'm more confident, like, They'll both put up numbers, but at this point I feel better that Rashad Bateman will pull off the long touchdown because he's done it the past two weeks than I do about DK Metcalf breaking off a big play, as crazy as that might seem. So I I have DK Metcalf outside my top 30 at wide receiver at this point, again, on Tuesday, September 20th. It might change again. Check Twitter on Thursday, but that's where I'm at. Anybody else in this game we want to mention? Robbie Anderson disappeared, 4.2 points. Told you, don't buy into that, what you saw last week. Daniel Jones, 13.14. Again, you don't want any part of this. We're on the next game. Oh, I'm really behind that. Uh, Travis Homer, 8.2 points. Leading running back for the Seattle Seahawks when it comes to fantasy points. Rashad Penny seems like he is on his way out now that Kenneth Walker is healthy. That being said, Kenneth Walker didn't do a whole lot. I'm more optimistic about Kenneth Walker. If I have either of these guys, I'm nervous. They should be on your bench. Penny is working his way off your bench, it seems like, and Walker should be, if he's not on your bench, he should be on your bench, and he might be working his way towards your lineup. Keep an eye on the Seahawks. And we already talked about George Kittle missing the game, Jeff Wilson, all that. Yep. Brandon Ayuk, 11.3 points. As a deep flex play, maybe. We'll see now that Jimmy G's back under center again. I want another week. I want another week on these teams. You have to see another week. And then finally, last team in this Where in the World segment is going to take us into Sunday Night Football. Green Bay Packers versus Chicago Bears. 27-10, to 10, Chicago uh, Green Bay Packers over Chicago Bears. That would have been amazing if the Bears won 27-10 against the Packers because Aaron Rodgers and the Packers own them. Brett Favre and the Packers own them. The Bears don't stand a chance against the Packers. This shouldn't be a Sunday Night Football game. That being said, some guys completely disappeared from this game. Darnell Mooney. From this game? He disappeared this first two games. Yeah. He doesn't have a catch yet, I don't believe. He does. He has one catch. One catch. One catch. Through two games, Darnell Mooney has one catch. So, again, going back to something I had mentioned before on a previous episode I can't talk, but I think it might have been one of the ones we released last week. Allen Robinson. 
talked about how Allen Robinson, you know, that was the talk. Allen Robinson might not have it because look how successful Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet were when Allen Robinson and Allen Robinson wasn't. But then, you know, with Juju Smith-Schuster, it's like, oh, well, Juju could be the one for the Kansas City Chiefs because look, you know, and I was like, but they're the same thing because Deontay and Pat Frymuth were successful. And now, and then it's like Allen Robinson went into a better position. Allen Robinson's been a top 10 wide receiver before. I felt better about Allen Robinson. It looked better in week two for Allen Robinson than it had in week one. But again, between him and Juju, as far as that argument goes, week one and week two are flip for each of them. I want a third week to compare them. But again, just one of those things where Darnell Mooney is another one of those guys where it's like he's going to get all this. You would expect he'd get all this volume. And if he was more effective than Allen Robinson, he should still be effective. And he's just not. And I don't know what it is. The Bears don't seem to. Last week they were in the monsoons. So they couldn't throw much. You can understand not really anything getting going. You were down the entire time in this game. What's going on? Who else are you throwing to? Velus Jones Jr., your second or third round rookie, is injured and out. Uh, Cole Komet is just dropping balls. What's going on? I don't know what's up with him. Cole Komet is a firm cut. Darnell Mooney is on your bench. Darnell Mooney is a guy who needs to earn your way back into his into a roster spot. Two other guys that disappeared from this game. Alan Lazard came back from an injury, expected him to be a number one wide receiver for the Packers. That did not happen. Didn't really emerge or do anything. Uh, he had 9.3 fantasy points. So the offense went through the running backs. That seems to be how it's going to be, although it went through Aaron, Jill- Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Where in the world was A.J. Dillon this past week? Um, I felt shut like down we a little saw bit. him. He was out there. Wasn't particularly effective. Um, he, had a, he had a great week one last week. He scored 20 points this week. He had good volume. 18 carries, 61 yards. He just didn't get carries. that touchdown. We watched that game. You... Didn't feel like 18 yeah. carries, but he was out there. So I guess he didn't really disappear. Like you said, he was out there. He just wasn't wasn't very effective. Wasn't scoring, week. and it was kind of what we figured. You know, Aaron Jones Aaron has Jones a little show. more trust with Aaron Rodgers, especially as far as pass catching goes. You know, he caught a touchdown pass and ran one in, so that's where a lot of his value came from. Aaron Jones, 32 fantasy points this week. You know, he's a guy who didn't have a good week one for you, had a good week two for you. This seems like the Packers sort of figuring out their offense, and we need to use our running backs and run this offense kind of through our running backs as opposed to our pass catchers at this point. Good to see if you have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. You're feeling good about that. As far as the pass catchers go, here are the top scorers fantasy-wise for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Jones at 32 points. Aaron Rodgers, 16.36 points. Sammy Watkins with 12.3 points. He had a big catch and run. And then Allen's are with, 19, with 9.3 points. As far as, you know, Christian Watson goes, if you want to drop him, it's totally understandable. You stash him on your bench until you see something. Romeo Dobbs, same thing, depending on where you come down on those two guys. Romeo Dobbs got three targets this game. Christian Watson got three targets as well. Dobbs targets seem to be more efficient, but again, I'm not. It's if you need the roster space to grab somebody, if you've had an injury to a quarterback or running back or wide receiver, which seems to be the popular one through two weeks, yeah. you know you can drop Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Sammy Watkins. Yeah, I think Alan Lazard's the only one I think I would hold on to for now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're you're chasing upside and. I don't know, maybe you have a, a league with deeper benches in a redraft league and you want to hold Christian Watson hoping that, you know, week eight or nine he starts to – but I, I don't know if, if, if I'm making that bet. But I would understand if somebody did. Okay. And then 
On the other side of the ball, there was only one Bears player you wanted to start. That was David Montgomery. He got you 15.8 fantasy or 15.6 fantasy points. I apologize. Justin Fields got you 8.8. Hey man, shout out Justin Fields for calling out the fans after the game. So it's a ballsy move. Yeah, I think we talked about this. We did. All we fair. T- we, yeah, we all fair. We did a quick discussion about that, but man, that's a ballsy move. So they got a home game this week. It was one thing when Justin Fields come out and says that it hurts more in the locker room than it does than it hurts the fans. And it's like, yeah, we understand that. We, we agree that. with that. He followed it up with a statement though. It's like they don't put any work in. Like the fans don't put any work in. And it's just like that's where you you, you cross the line because like we don't put in work to like play football, but we we watch. We're the reason you have a job. The, yeah. If we fans. decide that we're not watching your games anymore, you don't have a job. If we're not buying your jerseys if we're not going to your stadium like your coach is going to look for a new franchise quarterback if nobody starts going to the bears games anymore because he'd be like why doesn't anybody show up and it's like nobody likes our quarterback well guess what they'll replace you so so like the best way i always break it down is so football players top one percent of their profession for top professionals take wmba for instance they're the top one percent of women's basketball professionals the best of the best what's the difference in their salaries the fans. How many people are willing to tune in? And watch, how much money you're willing to spend? Pay, pay for tickets, pay for merchandise. I was gonna say when he says the fans don't put any, put in any effort, it's like you know, for people who aren't making millions of dollars or hundreds of thousand dollars a week to play a sport, who actually have to work like a real job, to take a day off, all day off on Sunday to watch the games, plus Monday night and Thursday night. To have the, you know, if you don't, to either have, you know, the full cable package that you need to have to be able to watch every game, or to have the four streaming services you need to have to watch every game, to set the time aside to do all that, to buy the, like, that does require effort. To go to the game, to beat off, to go, you know, sit through, you know, three hours of traffic there and back to go to a game, to go tailgate. How about the week one game? All the fans that sat in that pouring down rain, that monsoon. And root it for them dudes. Through the rain. And you're going to say they don't put anything into it. They don't put any effort into it. Like, it, it's just disrespectful to it's people who are out there every day, you know, rooting for your team, defending on you. People who in their free time create podcasts Man. to promote you players and talk of you up and go on Twitter and defend you against people who start attacking you and all that. Mm, come with the fans. Man, listen, the fans were there before you and they'll be there long after you, Justin. So like go look at look at some other countries around the world where you know there's soccer and they've got a fan base and ain't nothing else there because everybody's so passionate about that and you know don't that that we'll move on yeah we spent too much time on this all right moving on to the next game and our next segment the next segment we are gonna do it's gonna be what's on the horizon is it clouds or is it sunshine it's pretty simple is there stormy days ahead for this team and these fantasy players or is there maybe a little bit of ray of sunshine some hope we're going to start off with two teams that desperately need some hope (laughs) uh let's start off with the denver broncos rich in your opinion what's on the horizon for the broncos is it is it clouds or is it sunshine sunshine i think they're going to figure it out I really do. It might take a couple weeks. It might not be until week six, week seven, week eight, when things finally start to click. But I, I, I got to believe that they're going to get it figured out at some point. 
It's just unnerving because a lot of it, some of it just seems to be like, again, they're not even getting the plays called into the huddle in time, which is going to throw your whole offense off. This up, Their upcoming schedule, they're home versus the 49ers on Sunday night. Then they're at the Las Vegas Raiders, division opponent matchup, who themselves have been struggling. They're 0-2. They've lost the division game. So, And then they lost a game where they were handing the Cardinals their behinds. They were clearly ahead that whole game and then just collapsed in the second half. And yeah, we'll get to that game, but that was... And then they are home against the Colts. So maybe not the brightest this week against the 49ers with, you know, Nick Bosa there. Um, But after that, against the Raiders and the Colts, maybe that's your opportunity to get the games right. Uh, I think, I don't know how optimistic I am against the 49ers this team. I feel like, again, I have a lot of question marks about the 49ers, even though Jimmy Garoppolo is now back at the helm. I just felt like we haven't seen the 49ers team we saw last year. So the schedule has me a little bit ner- uh, optimistic with the with the Raiders and the Colts coming up because that's two other teams that are struggling. But if they're still struggling after those games, then it's it's time to yeah, hit the panic button. And on the flip side of this game, we have the Houston Texans. Is it sunshine or is it storm clouds for the Houston storm Texans? Storm clouds. Storm clouds. Storm clouds, man. No faith in the Houston Texans? No, and you want to know why? Maybe it's just like a little bit of an overreaction from week one, but uh, Geno Smith looked like a monster, a a great quarterback in week one against the Broncos defense, and then they came out and they they made life very difficult for Davis Mills in week two. So, I I mean, I'm a little worried. I mean, outside of Cooks, I'm not completely sold on all the pass catchers. Um, the running backs, I'm I'm not buying in on the running backs completely. I just so that's what I was gonna say. Almost kind of in the defense for the Houston Texans is they don't have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett lining up at wide receiver. They don't have Rashad Penny in the backfield for that's them. That's true. Yeah. So a little less to work with. I even feel like their offensive line probably is a downgrade from Seattle's line, which isn't necessarily great to begin with. Maybe it's a wash, but. So, again, we'll see. It's a new coaching staff, second-year quarterback who was drafted a little later. You know, not necessarily the pedigree of those quarterbacks. Um, Does it change your opinion at all if I tell you that they play the Bears this week? (laughs) They've got the Chargers after that. Maybe they get one this week. (laughs) Some, Some... Ray's peeking, peeking through the clouds with that Bears matchup, but uh, I'm I'm with you again. We still expect the Texans to be a bad team. I think better days are ahead for Brandon Cooks. Can I make a prediction? Sure. That's going to be the worst game of the week next next week. The Bears Texans game. Houston and Chicago. I think that's going to be an awful game. The the game that concerns me that could be worse is going it could be the Broncos 49ers on Sunday night. That scares me. That could. Very well be a terrible game, too. Why do they keep giving us these Sunday night games? The Packers and the Bears last weekend. like Because they thought it would be... Because yeah, that's a rival thought, matchup yeah. with some history behind it. They thought it might be a little more competitive yeah. with Adams gone and maybe Justin Fields taking a step with the new you know, front office and all that and coaching staff. Did not happen, you know. And what was our week one Sunday night game? Was that the... No, Cowboys Bucks was earlier on. It was another one that was uh, that was a Bronco. That was the Broncos Seattle game, wasn't it? Or was that Monday night? That was Monday night. Uh, 
another great game to put on the primetime slate. Right? We're getting great primetime games. All right. We'll, we'll move on. We know it's not that important. I can't remember. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Just keep it pushing. I think we were ready to tap out. I remember saying we were tapping out of the uh, late game. You left halfway through, actually, of that game. Week one, Sunday night. That was Dallas. Dallas against the Bucks. That was Sunday yeah. night? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Week it one, was it was Sunday just night. Monday or, or Thursday as opposed to being the Sunday night game. What was that game? Okay. Yeah, some some great ones for us. That one would have been a better one on paper. That was the best one on paper of the ones we've talked about. But then, you know, things happen. Um, so as far as fantasy points goes for this game, Corlin Sutton, 19.7 fantasy points with Jerry Judy suffering an injury. We talked about before, rib injury that knocked him out of the game. He got more volume. Still didn't necessarily... I mean, 19.7 is good. It's not. I wouldn't call it going off, but he's still one of the top-scoring wide receivers for the week. We'll see how it goes going forward, Jerry Judy coming back or not. If Jerry Judy's not back, Corlin Sutton's a top-20 wide receiver. If Jerry Judy is, they're both borderline. They're in the I think they're both like in the top twenty five, but not in the top twenty. Like two of the two of them taking up those five spots right after that. Russell Wilson eleven point zero six points. As someone who has Russell Wilson as a starting quarterback in one of the redraft leagues, I am very nervous about the performance so far, but we think better days are ahead. Javante Williams nine point five fantasy points. Another one of those running backs had a good week one, bad week two. Some other running backs had a bad week one, good week two. We want a third week to see what's going on. I still have faith in Javante Williams, even if this offense isn't necessarily clicking or firing all in all cylinders. I think it's only a matter of time before they realize that they need to get Javante Williams more involved for this offense to be more involved. He passes the eye test, and you see the talent. And then their fourth highest scoring player was tight end Eric Saubert. If you don't. Exactly. We need a new segment because there's a couple guys in here that I'm just like, who? We'll get to the dude from the Bills game later, but who was who Jillium? Who was Jillium? I don't know, Rich. Gilliam, Jillium, however you say it, the fullback? Who is that guy? Where did he come from? So to take some play... How old is he? Like, I don't know nothing about the dude. Where did he just popped up? Out of nowhere. To take people behind the scenes when we're doing this, too, for a lot of players, I'll just abbreviate who it is. Like, Christian McCaffrey's just CMC. You know, Bar- like Saquon Barkley's just Barkley. DK Metcalf's just Metcalf, things like that. Eric Sauber, I have to write out. I can't even like initial first his first name. It's got to write out his first and last name and the fact that he plays a tight end position so that we know who he is so we could talk about him. He is one of the tight ends that the Denver Broncos are uh, trying to sell NFTs for. One of the nine tight ends <laughs> that they have and they feature. That is correct. So <laughs> I place no faith in Eric Sauber. We've, we've given him more time than he'll get the rest of this season. Shooting star. No, wait, that's not this wasn't segment. wasn't even a shooting star. This is not this segment. He wasn't even a shooting star. <laughs> He was a he was half a sparkler. The other side of that, Nico Collins, your highest scoring player for the Houston Texans at nine point eight points. Brandon Cooks had nine point four. And Damian Pierce at eight point seven. Those are your three highest scoring players for the Houston Texans. From that standpoint, I think brighter days are ahead because I don't think that they could perform much worse. I think Brandon Cooks at least will bounce back. Some good to see Damian Pierce uh, involved more in this game. Hopefully that trend continues going forward and his uh you know, production increases, and we'll see about Nico Collins. I'm hopeful he'll emerge as something, but that is dependent on Davis Mills. Moving on to the next game where we're looking at the horizon, hoping for some better days, some two teams. I don't know how these are going to go for you, Rich, so let's start with the Arizona Cardinals beat the Las Vegas Raiders 29-23 to in overtime. The Arizona Cardinals, what's on the horizon? So let me just first start by saying, as we were watching that game on Sunday, I, you remember it. 
as we just kept going through, I kept saying it because over the first three quarters of that game, I just, the Cardinals stink. Like they looked legitimately bad for three quarters, but like it was painful to watch. It hurt your eyes. It hurt your soul. It hurt your brain. Like every part of it was painful to watch. And then in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, the the switch got flipped, and Kyler Murray doing his little scrambles, doing running a little round out there. And next thing you know, it's a tie game. And we're like, whoa. But to to make a uh, a short answer long, um, I got sunny uh, as on the horizon. I see some sun, sunshine for the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins coming back yeah. in a few games. And I just I can't see the offense remaining that poor all season. Like I feel like they might have figured a little something out there in the fourth quarter some positives that they, they can take into the next game and build upon. Um, I'm willing to give them another couple weeks before I write them off. So, yeah, it's hard for me. <laughs> it's another one where their schedule kind of gives them a mixed bag, too. They've got the Rams at home this week. That could tough be, game. If the Rams get or getting their act together, that could be a tough game. Then they're at Carolina. Very winnable game. Very winnable game because Carolina looks like they're not close to getting their stuff together. Then they have the misfortune of having to play the Eels. Yeah, that's an L for them. <laughs> Very certain about that one. No DeAndre Hopkins still for that game, so yeah, I imagine that won't be too great for them. James Conner James Conner got injured and knocked out of this game too. They had to go to Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams. So James Conner will be back. There's there should be some sunshine for the Cardinals, like you said. Cliff Kingsbury, we think, is a decent offensive schemer. <laughs> no, I had to say that very specifically because I'm hesitant to call him a good offensive coach or a good head coach. I'll call I'll give him good. He's good at scheming up offenses. Cliff Kingsbury is for the first half of the season. Kyler Murray's got some talent. I did see something though that I thought was funny, and and it was somebody said it was a on Twitter was Kyler Murray scrambles scrambling looks like a toddler who stole their parents' phone running around. And it had videos of it, and I just, I was like, that's hilarious. Like, I can't unsee it now, because the way he holds the football is exactly the way the toddlers hold the photos. They're running around with the two in their hand. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, that's great. I think better days are ahead for the Cardinals. Kyler Murray, 25.88 fantasy points this week. That was good. Zach Ertz, 15.5 fantasy points. Also good. Greg Dortch. Greg Dortch. <laughs> Fifteen and a half fantasy points. I have Greg Dorch just outside the top thirty for the Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins out. This is again for weekly rankings, not season long. Rich is trying really hard to put a hole in a wall we have here. He keeps reclining in a non-reclining chair. We're gonna pick, paint a picture of Gabe Davis once he finally puts a hole in this wall here. We'll keep you updated as this progresses. <laughs> but uh, Darrow Williams took over once James Conner went down. Got you fourteen point two fantasy points. Scored a touchdown for you. Greg Dortch, again, it's just one of those things where with DeAndre Hopkins gone, Rondell Moore out, A.J. Green getting older, it seems like Greg Dortch might have a role on this offense until DeAndre Hopkins comes back. I'm not telling you to... If you have an injury or something available to you that you can add Greg Dortch to it, but don't don't look for somebody to drop to pick up Greg Dortch, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's a good point because I don't think he's a he's gonna be a, like a season long asset. I think he's he's got a shelf life. 
Right. So, on the flip side of that, the Las Vegas Raiders. Are we looking at sunshine or storm clouds for the Las Vegas Raiders, Rich? I think there's more sunshine on the horizon. I just... I, I, gotta, I, I see them turning it around. The Las Vegas Raiders are at the Tennessee Titans this week. Uh, One of these two teams is going to get a win. Yeah. They're both 0-2. One of them is going to grab a win. Don't be so sure no, about that. That's true. We do have a tie this season already. The Houston Texans. <laughs> yeah, both of those teams Colts. can lose that game with the, or leave that game without a win. Oh, man. Oh man, and the yeah, and the, didn't the Titans lose in overtime in one of these games recently? I know the Raiders lost in overtime this week. Did the Titans go to overtime in one of these games? They had that very close Week One game. Oh, that could have gone to overtime, yeah. but they went for the two points yeah. instead and beat them, so it didn't go to overtime. Yeah, this game could go to overtime. This could be ten ten going into overtime. Oh man. Oh God, I don't want to watch this. Could be. <laughs> I think this could be the worst game of the week. It's sad that we keep finding games that could compete for worst game of the week. After that, we've talked about it before. Raiders are home against the Broncos. Again, that could be a game where one of those teams gets right, but who knows. So, I am... At this moment, I am I'm expecting sunshine. I'm looking for a team that last year, with all the adversity they faced, that now has acquired Devontae Adams to take a step forward. I think that this was just, uh, I think they took their foot off the gas, and by the time they realized they needed to put it back on, like, it was, it was too late. So, I think better days are ahead for the Raiders as well. Derek Carr, 18.98 fantasy points. Darren Waller, 17 fantasy points. Matt Collins, 11.6. Don't, don't pay any attention to that. That's, you know, this is the only time you'll see Matt Collins appear on this show. Outlier week. Hunter Renfro, 10.9 points. More involvement than last week. Had two fumbles, only lost one of them, suffered a concussion and lost out, and got knocked out. I am extremely nervous about Hunter Renfro if I'm a Hunter Renfro owner because I feel like he went in the as a top 30 to 35 wide receiver in drafts, and he's not returning that value. So he's a guy that I'm giving another week or two to see how this offense unfolds because Devontae Adams didn't get a lot of time. If you notice, I just gave you the top pass catchers for the Raiders, and I hadn't gotten Devontae Adams yet, who had 9.2 fantasy points. And had two catches with a touchdown to get you there. So, a weird day for the Raiders. Shaw Jacobs, 9.1. I mean, what are you going to do? That's Shaw Jacobs. He's not involved in the passing game for you. His floor could fall out like that on you. And then finally, the last team in this segment of what's on the horizon. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the New Orleans Saints. I feel like I know how both of these are going to go, but maybe you'll surprise me. Let's start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who in the game, they lost their offensive tackle, Smith. I think it's Darren Smith. I'm drawing a blank on his first name at the moment. I apologize. He hyperextended his elbow. He's questionable for this upcoming week. This is a team that's already lost three of last year's throws in the offensive line due to free agency and injuries in addition to losing a backup player to the IR. So in addition to that, Mike Evans is suspended for this upcoming game. For now. 
His appeal is going to be announced tomorrow morning, I think I saw. So why don't you let people in on the subplot to that real quick? He got no fight again with uh, Marshawn Lattimore. I meant the conspiracy thing with the guy Uh, for Green Bay and all that. Right, so um, former NFL player, former Eagles tackle, John Runyon is currently the VP um, for, you know, overseeing those and levying a punishment. Um, And it's very interesting because this upcoming week, the Buccaneers and Mike Evans take on the Green Bay Packers, who have John Runyon's son as one of their offensive linemen. And it's funny that John Runyon gives Mike Evans a one-game suspension. Hmm. Now James Thrash is overseeing it. He, he heard the case today, and he's going to make his ruling tomorrow. We'll see if it holds up. I mean, I, I expect it probably will. I mean, it, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have got suspended. I was really just making a, a joke no. about that. The, the dude ran off the field, ran from off the field onto the field, and shoved the dude in the back. I mean, he's probably gonna, it's probably gonna stand. Which he had done to Marshawn Lattimore before. Literally the same exact thing he had done to Marshawn Lattimore before, except that time it was to defend Jameis Winston, and he was suspended for that as well. So that's why he got suspended for this one. We we're just kidding about the conspiracy yeah, theory. Yeah, it was a little but, fun. We saw it floating uh, around on the internet. A little extra, yeah, a little extra Reddit Reddit angle to add some, you know, fun to it, but. He'll be suspended for the game, most likely. Hoyle Jones is questionable. He got hurt on a big catch. He didn't play this last week, did he? He got hurt on the catch no. in week one. He didn't play. Yeah, got hurt on a big catch in week one. Did not play this last week. The Bucks have signed Cole Beasley to the active roster. So that's kind of an indication that Mike Evans, Chris Godwin definitely aren't playing. And it looks like Julio Jones isn't going to play either. So your top pass-catching options are going to be Russell Gage and Cole Beasley. Maybe Julio Jones is healthy and ready for this game. Let's say Julio's, let's say Julio practices this week and plays for the game. What order are you putting the Bucks wide receivers between Beasley, Gage, and Julio? <laughs> um, I'm probably going to cover my eyes and throw a dart at their pictures, and whoever I hit is who is number one. Like I don't, I don't know. So this is this is. You know, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. This is stink, stank, stunk. Well, for now, I mean, I feel like I have to put Cole Beasley three because... He just got there. He just got there. He's got no rap, like, no rapport with Tom Brady. He doesn't necessarily know the playbook. So I feel like I have to. And then, you know, Julio's the most talented, but he's also the most injury-prone. It, Russell Gage has gotten the most volume. He's just... His his ADOT might be worse than DK Metcalf's. Yeah. I think we saw, he had five catches for 28 yards, That's, I think is what we saw. And I know because I have to start him in our dynasty league because of how deep it is and some of my other players not coming on. But honestly, like at that point, like, I'm, you know, that sounds crazy, but it's like in this league it's so deep where it's like I started him, I got 7.8 points, I'll take that because DJ Chark got me zero. Like, you know what I mean? So even if he's going to catch five, if, he's, if you're telling me that that's going to happen, he's going to get six catches for 30 yards next week, I'm like, I'm going to have to put him in because it's still better than the zero I'm going to get from several other guys that are out there. Brighter days ahead for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hopefully their line gets healthier. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I'm not sure if we're going to see the Leonard Fournette we saw last year. He doesn't seem as involved in the passing game as he did before. He's going to get to the point where he's going to need to. One, because the pass catchers we talked about, their situation, um, guys being banged up, Godwin not back yet. Um, but also, they got to get him. The, he's one of their better playmakers. They have to find a way to get him the ball and handoffs don't necessarily seem to be doing the trick because of how we, you mentioned with their offensive line being banged up. 
So they might need to manufacture some touches, some more screens, some swings, stuff like trying to get uh, Fournette the ball in space to where he's not running into a pile of, of eight defenders. I think that may be part of the reason as to why he's not getting more volume is that he needs to... The reason he's out there on the passing down, the reason Tom Brady likes him is because he picks up the blitz and he right. picks up the pass protection. If your line's hurt, maybe he's just one of those things where he's got to pick he's up that pass protection, in. and he, yeah. he like one of those things where he can't slip out to be the check down because he's got to hold that you know the the pass protection. So that could be the reason he's not getting the targets even though he's out there. Twenty four carries for sixty five yards. The New Orleans defense is known to have a good run defense for the past few years. Yeah, the volume's there. You're you're happy with the volume. But the production's not. This whole offense seems off at the moment. Again, we think that will improve going forward, even with the offensive line problems. They are playing against the, the Packers next week. Oh, right. We just talked about yeah, they're, they're playing, playing the Packers. Packers so, I mean, we'll see. And then they've got the Chiefs after that. Oh, this is one of those things where it's crazy because in the offseason, this was where I was looking. I was. Doing, I was doing this thing for playoff predictors where you go through and essentially pick every game to determine like how the you know playoffs going to work out and the and the seating and all of that and there's like trying to find losses for the Bucks and it's like one of those things where it's like these were two of the best teams they played and I was having trouble giving the Bucks a loss against either the Chiefs or the Packers with what had happened and now at this point I know the Packers didn't look great in Week One they looked better in Week Two playing the Bears but the Bucks have looked bad in both weeks I know they won both games. But they have looked bad in both games that they've won. And so now it's like one of those things where the you know, the Packers might be a serious threat if they get it together with their run with the run game going. I know that's the strength of the Bucks defense is running, so we'll see how that clash kinda works. But with no Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin, no Julio, this could be a game the Packers take. And then they play the Chiefs. And I'm less and less worried about the Chiefs the more we watch them play. Doesn't seem like they miss time uh, not the I mean, obviously you want Tyree killed there, but it doesn't seem like they, you know, they started in the first half against the Chargers, but we've seen that before. Yeah. We've seen the Chiefs go on a playoff run where they won the Super Bowl leading or trailing going into halftime in every game. So I am, you know, it is what it is. Or uh, For Leonard Fournette, I'm nervously optimistic. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll have a better feel after next week. And Prashad Perryman was the leading fantasy scorer for the Bucks this week with 13.5 fantasy points. So, again, hope better days should be ahead for everybody on there. Once Mike Evans is back, it should be good. Mm-hmm. Flip to the other side, the New Orleans Saints, who narrowly got away with a victory against the Falcons in Week 1. And then this game, a game they usually... A game they have taken in the past couple of years against Tom Brady and the Bucks. I mean, they just they never look like they came alive. Jameis Winston has four fractures in his back. Maybe that has something to do with it. But what are we? Is there storm clouds on the horizon for the Bucks, or I'm sorry, for the Saints, or is it sunshine coming? Storm clouds. Storm clouds. Kamara hurt. Winston hurt. I just. I don't know. I mean, Michael Thomas has looked pretty good. Olave looks like he's a solid wide receiver, but. I don't know, what did Jarvis Landry do this week? He didn't do much this week. He, yeah, he I don't see him here on our thing, so he he wasn't above seven points. Yeah. Um, it's just I don't know, man. I've, I I've been down on this team all all off season, and I don't. Know, I'm not buying it. 
Jarvis Landry had four catches on five targets for 25 yards. So kind of what we said last week, we thought that was kind of an aberration with Jarvis Landry. My main thing was how is Michael Thomas and Chris Olave going to pan out? Chris Olave got 11 targets, five catches for 80 yards. Michael Thomas had nine targets, six catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. Again, just keep that in mind. You know, if there's no touchdown, then Chris Olave is the highest scoring wide receiver on the Saints. I've been more Olave than Michael Thomas the whole way. I'm still leaning that way. I think at the end of the season, when all is said and done, it'll be Olave. Michael Thomas is getting bailed out with these touchdowns right now. I don't know that they can keep that up. With no Evan Kamara, someone's going to have to get the touchdowns. So maybe, but we'll see. I agree with you. I think there's uh, some storm clowns ahead for the Saints with Alvin Kamara being hurt. And we're not getting a whole lot of specifics on that at the moment. Again, we just told it was a rib injury. We don't know how serious of a rib injury. We don't know, is it to the bone? Is it cartilage? Is it a bruise? Is it, you know, broken? What's exactly going on with that? Taysom Hill and his back fractures have me nervous. How you know he, he could be one hit away from being out for the season. So there's it could be some rough times ahead for the New Orleans Saints this week. Like we said, they play they're at Carolina, so they've got a nice game coming up to bounce back. But we'll see. And then we are going to move on to our final segment, final three games of the slate. And the segment we did before is buy, sell, hold. It's very simple. It's just are we buy, selling, or holding on the concept of this player, offense, or just something in general about it. So let you start off, Rich. Uh, we'll start with the uh, Dallas Cowboys and Cincinnati Bengals games. Cowboys won 20-17. Um, just a quick note, uh, Cowboys guard um, Connor McGovern is out with a high ankle sprain. Seems like he's going to miss a couple weeks. Yep, so that's another injury to the offensive line. They've already lost Tyron Smith for most of the season, if not all of the season. Layout Collins left in free agency. And then their backup, Tyler Smith, was hurt. I don't remember whether or not he played in this game. but So it's a banged-up Cowboys offensive line. They pulled the victory out against the Bengals 20-17. to So I guess let's start with the Cowboys still look bad in this game, I feel, from what we were able to see, the, the plays and all that we saw unfolding. What's ahead for the Cowboys? Sunshine or storm clouds? Let's see that schedule. I mean, it's probably, I'm going to say storm clouds. Um, I don't think, even that comes back with a messed up thumb. I, we saw Russell Wilson last year ineffective when he came back from a messed up thumb. Like, I'm just, I'm not buying that the Cowboys, are, as soon as Dak gets back, are going to take off like some people were thinking. They weren't taking off when he was when there he was week there. one. It's just, I, I got him at... at uh, clouds, rain on the way, storms. The general feeling I have about this game is, again, something I said earlier. I feel the Bengals lost this game more than the Dallas Cowboys won this game. Yeah. I think Joe Barrow's still making too many mistakes. Two weeks in a row. It's two weeks in a row that the Bengals lost the game. Not to take credit away from the Steelers because their defense played great in week one, but the Bengals had every opportunity to win that game late. And they just didn't. And yeah, Joe Barrow just looks panicked. And we talked about this. This was something I saw going through the plays where T. Higgins had no targets through the first half of the game. Just like absolutely none. And you're like, why? What's What, what are we doing? And then the second half they come out and like they peppered all Jamar Chase in the first half. And the second half they come out and they peppered T. Higgins. Jamar Chase, I think, got two targets in the second half of the game. And it's like, that's not... 
It's a problem I feel that the Rams have with Cooper Cup Week 1, where it's like, you want... Your number one wide receiver on your team should be getting close to double-digit passes a week. But it, your offense shouldn't... Like, that. that's not your goal with your offense. Like, that should happen as you call your offense, but your goal should not be, let's make sure we get this guy 10 targets a week. That should just happen from the way you're calling plays and the way plays develop on the field. Whereas I feel like they are specifically calling plays where it's just like, this is Jamar Chase play. Call the Jamar Chase play and throw the ball to Jamar Chase. And it's like, well, what about T. Higgins? or T-? It's like, no, no, no. Just go out there and throw the ball to Jamar Chase, and we don't care about anything else that's going on in the field. And it's like, that's not how it's supposed to be. And it's like, it's just play after play after play where it's like, go throw it to Jamar Chase, and then go out again and throw it to Jamar Chase, and go out and throw it again to Jamar Chase. And it's like, okay, but like, if it was an advantageous matchup or something, it'd be one thing, but you're not moving. You're not scoring with the way you're doing it right now. Like, Go to T. Higgins, make them shift their coverage, and then when you get an advantage in coverage, go back to Jamar Chase and go to that play you have for him. You know what I mean? Where now You know I'm not a Zach Taylor fan, but is that coaching or could that be Burrow? Just locking on to his favorite target and his guy. So, here's... With... I don't know, because you mentioned this earlier, where like he's taken more sacks, but he's had... Yeah, he has less overall pressures, but he so, has more sacks. At this I'm, point, last year in 2020, less so pressures, I, more sacks. I'm not sure about how much time he's getting back there. So then, I need more information about that, because like, if he's not getting a lot of time, I'd put it actually more on the coaching staff, and I know you would think it'd be, but it's like one of those things where if he's not even getting enough time, and he's going to his first read and getting rid of the ball because it... Because of that, well, then that tells me his first read is consistently Jamar Chase, and that's what the offense is schemed to always have Jamar Chase as the first read, and that's why he's always targeting so much. And it's like, again, you should have plenty of plays where Jamar Chase is your main guy to get the ball to, but you need plays where T. Higgins is your first read, and Jamar Chase is the second read, and you have time to go through your progressions, or just plays where T. Higgins is just the first read, and if you need to get the ball out quick, you get it to T. Higgins so that... Cause Something we talked about off the pod, where again, last season, teams didn't have film on Jamar Chase. They were getting film on Jamar Chase as Jamar Chase was playing the season. And they, as you said, they hadn't played Jamar Chase. So it's one thing to see a guy play on tape and see that, oh, he's fast or he should. It's another thing to actually line up against him and be like, oh, like, yeah. this is, this is fast. Yeah. So, I am, I'm not... I'm not buying the Cowboys' offense. There was a lot of talk after this game about, oh, the Cowboys are going to be all right with Cooper Rush as their quarterback. I'm like, they're going to go 500. Let me give you the Cowboys' next couple of games real quick, just to let you know. They they do have some winnable games, depending on how you feel. So they're at the New York Giants in a primetime game. I believe that's Monday Night Football at 8-15. sleeping on the Giants. It's, it's, the Giants are 2-0. So, I mean, it's a winnable game for the Cowboys, but same time, Giants are 2-0. The Cowboys are 1-1 and look bad. After that, they are home versus the Washington Commanders. It's a winnable game. It's a winnable game. Commanders, though, like we said, have been putting up an offense. They're one and one as well. They and frankly, in their two games, they've looked better than the Dallas Cowboys have in their two games than one and one. It's a completely different yeah. one and one for me. After that, they're at the Rams. Then they're at Philadelphia. Then they're home versus the Lions. Uh, they're I. The Rams and Eagles are both strong favorites, especially at home. And then even the Lions, like if, if it's still Cooper Rush, I might be leaning the Lions way at that point, Lions versus Cowboys. So the Lions are putting up points. Yeah. So I am selling the idea that Dallas Cowboys will be all right with Cooper Rush at quarterback for the next several games. I am, I am holding on the Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl hangover. I just, again, with Joe Barrow there, 
T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. There's so much talent there that this again, this is a coaching staff that got them to a Super Bowl last year. I, I know there's the hangover and all that. Between the talent and the coach, I feel that at some point they're going to get this together and it could start very shortly. Any thoughts, any differences on the uh, Bengals? No, we're, we're in agreement with the Cowboys. With the Bengals, um, I'm not there yet, but I'm starting to buy the Super Bowl hangover. Oh, I thought you were on the Super Bowl hangover the whole time. No, it's 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 a thing. I just I thought maybe this could be you know the team that could maybe break that that curse in a sense. But yeah, they're each week, man. This this week three will be the tell. They're if playing they, the Jets. If they look that way again against the Jets, especially after what happened to them last year in New York against the Jets, if they come out lifeless for this one and look flat, and the offense looks. Looks poor. I, I'm, I'm all in on the, the Super Bowl hangover. Okay. I mean, they haven't looked good. Yeah. Very concerning. And, it's, again, it's hard to do individual players because I'm still in on mixing. He got you 11.3 yeah. fantasy points. Not what you wanted, but last week he had 25, 26 fantasy points for you. T. Higgins and Jamar Chase had flip rolls from last week, but, again, T. Higgins was knocked out of the concussion last week. I'm a hold on how I feel about the Bengals until I see next week. I want to see how the I want to see where the offense really is. Are they distributing the targets better? Are they going back and forth between the two guys? Am I only seeing one guy appear in each half on the stat sheet? That's really going to let me know where I'm at with them. T. Higgins 19.1 fantasy points. Joe Burrow 16.5 fantasy points. Joe Mixon 11.3 like we said, and Jamar Chase 10.8. As far as the Cowboys go, highest scoring player for the Cowboys, Noah Brown 20 20.1 points. Tony Pollard, the second highest scoring Cowboy, 19.8 points. CeeDee Lamb with 15.1. Nice bounce back game for CeeDee Lamb. Doesn't necessarily, I think, you know, at, at the end of two weeks, though, if you said CeeDee Lamb had fewer than 20 points, I don't think anybody would have put money on that. And Cooper Rush, 13.6. Zeke Elliott, 5.9. So let me ask you this. Are you buying so, or selling the idea that Zeke is cooked? I'm buying it. I know last week I said that with the Dak injury, I was more in on Zeke than I had been previously. But after seeing this week, maybe I'm overreacting a little bit too much. But um, nah, he he doesn't look like like the same Zeke anymore. He looks like a ste- he's a step slower. Uh, doesn't he, have he, any juice. Nope. He looks his, like he's his two longest runs so cold. far this season were for seven yards against the Bucks and eleven yards against Cincinnati last week. He averaged 5.2 yards in week one against the Bucks on only 10 attempts and averaged 3.5 yards per carry this week against the Cincinnati Bengals on 15 attempts. Yeah, there was just there was a run where I saw him go around, around the edge on a toss play, and I'm just like, what? He just looks slow. And it's not like he was waiting for blocks to develop. The dude was trying to get to the edge. And it's just like, I'm like, wow, that's not that's not normal Zeke, man. Like, normally he gets that edge, and now he's down, he's down, he's downhill. I'm in on you as well. I'm buying the idea that Zeke is cooked. Like you said, just eye test. He doesn't have the explosive. He, he doesn't have that next gear. And what was his valuable, in, when he started off and he was Zeke, that was Zeke, that was top five, top ten running back Zeke. He was involved in the passing game. He had explosive plays. He could take one to the house for you. He could get 20 carries in a game and he'll have, you know, 100 plus you know yards for you easy. And that's 
not happening anymore. He's not involved in the passing game as much. If he is, he's being used as a blocker and not as a pass catcher. And it's because he doesn't have that gear to go out there and, and run around and the speed to blow past the guys that he should be blowing past. And Tony Pollard's getting much more involved. Maybe it's an overreaction because it's a flip from week one again with how the running backs look, but I just... This is something that goes back to last season. When we watched last season, we felt that Tony Pollard was the more effective back when it came to actual running back touches. And it's like, again, one of those things where you always, there's always that argument. It's like, oh, but he's good in the pass protection. And it's like, yes, but from a fantasy football perspective, I want the guy that's getting the touches when he's on the field, not the guy that's being asked to pick up blitzes when he's on the field and isn't involved in the pass game. So I am buying that as well. Are we buying or, uh, or selling the Noah Brown? With 20.1 fantasy points. I'm holding for right now. I mean, I don't expect him to do that again when Zach comes back. Uh, Zach. Zeke. Zeke and or Dak. Dak. mix them together. There we go. Yeah, when Dak comes back. <laughs> yeah, like you said, I'm holding now as well. If, again, one of those guys, if you have a spot on your roster to throw him at the end of your bench, do it. Don't throw him into your starting lineup right away. Don't do that. And don't. Like, don't try to find somebody to drop to pick him up. If you have an IR spot and are able to put somebody like Elijah Mitchell or Rondell Moore or something like that on IR and you have a spot, then recommend picking him up and seeing how things go. But Michael Gallup will be back at some point this year, we know. So it's a temporary thing. Don't blow a whole lot of fab to go at Noah Brown. And we'll move on to our next game then, the... Monday night games will hop in, so I'll let you start off, Rich. Yeah, we'll start with the uh, the beatdown up in uh, in Buffalo, where the Bills put it on the Titans, forty-one to seven. They uh, outclassed them in every facet of the game. It was just an all-around bullying. The Bills bullied the Titans yesterday. Titans lost Tyler Lewin, Luan, on the first offensive play. He's their offensive tackle. Uh, you said he's out for the season. Is that it, correct? I saw a report. It looks like he's out for the season. So it looks like he's out for the season. Losing their starting offensive tackle. Derrick Henry had 13 carries for 25 yards yesterday in that game against the Bills. 1.9 yards per carry. He did manage to score a touchdown to get you some fantasy points. And he was not involved in the passing game. So, yeah, you got eight and a half fantasy points from Derrick Henry, who some people were taking as a top five pick in their drafts. And with Taylor Lewin gone, I know they were playing against the Bills, and the Bills have a good defense, and obviously the game got out of hand quickly, so Derrick Henry fell behind. 13 touches for 25 yards. Wasn't particularly effective last week, and they lost the... The Giants either, so... Another, uh, one, another one like Zeke, starting to look a little bit slower. Just a little bit slower. Broke his foot last year. Maybe that has something to do with it. So, let's start with this. Uh, this one should be an easy one that I think we'll both be buying. Buffalo Bills, Super Bowl contenders. Absolutely buying it. They were the story of the night yesterday. I mean, I know us as Eagles fans want to say it was the Birds and their beatdown of the Vikings 24-7, but, I mean, what the Bills did last night, Josh Allen is just, he's something else, man. Like you can't stop them. Like I, the Titans gave up in the third. They quarter. quit in the third quarter. They, they put quit. Malik Willis out there to start a quarterback. Took their starters off the field. The Bills made them quit in the third quarter. Hassan Haskins had nine carries for thirty-seven yards. Like, what, what does that say though? That Hassan Haskins come out and averages four point one yards per carry when he takes over as the running back. Uh, were the Bills playing soft D at that pun- point? Probably, but even still, uh, man, I, I saw a stat about the Bills too. Their first punt of the season came yesterday in the third quarter. 
They didn't punt at all week one or the first two quarters, and they were putting their beat down on the Titans. And then when they finally let their foot off the gas, they finally punted. I heard another stat, too. I forget. It was the last 19 or 20 games that the Bills have won. They have won by double digits or more. So, like, any close game, they tend to lose. Like, the game's going to be within one score. So if you say the the end result of a Bills game is the team wins by 3.7 points, pick the other team. But the Bills, if they're going to win, they smash the teams and win by double-digit fantasy points. Hmm. And I'm not trying to insult the Bills or anyone when I say, like, you know, if it's a close game, like, they're going to lose. Go and try to find how many games the Bills have lost in the last, you know, two years. So, the are we... So are we buying or selling then that the Tennessee Titans off that Derrick Henry and the offense are cooked without AJ Brown? Um, it's not necessarily that I think they're cooked without AJ Brown. Like they they did look like they missed him. I think the bigger issue is the offensive line. We saw Taylor Luan go out. They lost Roger Saffold in the offseason and went to Buffalo. It's just that offensive line's hurting. Tannehill doesn't have time. Henry has nowhere to run. It's not a good recipe. And this is one of those things where I'm... So, are we buying on the fact that the Titans offense is going to kind of look similar to this going forward? Or um, we yeah, I don't know if it'll be this bad every week, but it, this is not a team that I'm, I'm looking at and being like, yeah, that's going to be a good offense. All right, so, obviously people who drafted Derrick Henry have Derrick Henry and are going to have to roll him out for now. Is there any interest in having any other Titans player? Um, Traylon Burks, Robert I'm, Woods. I'm interested in Burks. Now, you could look at his stat line and ask me why, but you tell me in a game where they quit in the third quarter and the Titans looked that putrid, he still had four catches for 47 yards. Now, that's only his second career game. He was over 50 last week. He was consistently Tannehill's number one read early in that game. Now, granted, like I said, he didn't have a lot of time. There wasn't much going on because of how poor the offensive line is. But if they're able to somehow figure out how to plug a hole in that offensive line, you might be looking at some uh, some value there with Traylon Burks. Yeah, again, I've been out on Traylon Burks. I'm not really interested in stashing him at this point. There are other, like, you know, again, I'm in two of my three redrafts, like Garrett Wilson's available, and I'm sitting there like, how did I let Garrett Wilson not get put on in my team? Then I look at some of the guys I have on my team, and I'm like, can't drop Rashad Bateman or, you know, Drake London or... <laughs> Or uh, here's some of the other guys I have on my bench that I'm holding on to that I can't drop in place of him, you know. Uh, I have, like, David Montgomery and A.J. Dillon. I'm like, you can't drop these guys to put Traylon Burks on, on my roster, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's so, some guys, like, he's a stash. He's, he's not someone you're grabbing. Another guy's stash, him. if you have room, don't try to make room for Yeah, him. yeah. And I'm not stashing him, my personal opinion, for him. So, yeah, so... Um, as far as fantasy production goes, Stephon Diggs, 44.8 fantasy points. Lineup lock, I had him as my wide receiver one going into the season. Hasn't disappointed so far, especially with Gabe Davis out. Uh, Stephon Diggs, wide receiver one going into next week as well. If Gabe Davis is in, he'll probably still stay as my wide receiver one. Josh Allen, 29.68 fantasy points. Again, lineup lock with Josh Allen. Don't think too much about it. Rich's favorite guy from the Buffalo Bills game. With 9.7 fantasy points is Reggie Gilman. Can we can we look him up? Fullback. 
What do you want to know about? He's a fullback for the Buffalo I, Bills. He what do came we need out to... of nowhere, and I need, to, I need to know more. I, we don't need to know more. No, we do need no, to know more. This is something you do in your free time, not on the podcast. The people listening to our podcast do not need to know any more about Reggie Gilman, fullback for the Buffalo Bills. Well, it, it's Gilliam. Oh, I'm, we got to get it right. Apologies. Reggie Gilliam. Apologies to Reggie Gilliam. I'm Reggie sure. Trevon Don't worry. Gilliam. I'll never have this issue again after this episode. He played at Toledo. He spent the 2020 season as a tight end. Look at that. Reggie Gilliam. Yes, a lot of tight ends become fullbacks. Hmm. He'd probably be better off as a tight end because he might have a job a few years from now. Can we move on? Are we done? Are you are you picking up Reggie Gilman in a league that you have that I'm not aware of? Gilliam? Whatever his name is. I'm going to pick him up in Dynasty. Okay. Just so, because. He's not going to ever start or be in my lineup. <laughs> Devin just, Singletary, Zach hey, Moss, and... Obscure people. I like him. And James Cook are competing to be the running backs in that backfield. We don't even feel good about having any one of them mm. in our starting lineups on a week-to-week basis. No interest in Reggie Gilliam. I'm not really interested in any of the running backs for the Bills at the moment. I've been out on them for a while. Singletary's still the guy if you have to pick one. Not a fan. Dawson Knox, 8.1 points. I believe he was a little banged up, but for everybody who thought Dawson Knox would continue his insane touchdown production from last year. Uh, and then the leading scorers for the Tennessee Titans were Traylon Burks with 8.7, Derrick Henry with 8.5, and Robert Woods with 7.9. Uh, the three of them together might have gotten half of Stephon Diggs' points. And that brings us to the final game of Week 1. The best game of Week 1, if you ask us, in our opinion... Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Minnesota Vikings in the home opener. 24-7 win for Philadelphia Eagles. Are we buying the Philadelphia Eagles as legitimate Super Bowl contenders in the NFC? Are we selling it or are we holding it? There's two other options there. You don't just have to buy or sell. I'm holding. I'm holding for right now. I mean, the Eagles fan in me wants to, Yeah, they're going to the bowl. Let's go. But, now let's be real. It's two weeks. It's a long season. This season, the NFL, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We've seen teams jump out to good starts in the past to fall off. I remember an Eagles team from a few years ago under Chip Kelly that was dominant early in the season, and then on the back half of the season, they stunk. So let's wait. Let's wait and see. I'm not ready to crown them as the favorites of the NFC or – Definite surefire Super Bowl contenders, but it's a team that I that I think has a chance. You know, they, they still have to grow a bit. Um, we need to see some more from Ghana, defensive coordinator. We need to see more from Hertz, and it's a team that absolutely can be Super Bowl contenders. I just I don't know if I'm buying that they are at this moment. <laughs> I won't be happy if they win the Super Bowl. Be thrilled. Just don't know if I'm ready to call them contenders just yet. I am buying the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl contenders for the NFC. I was more in on the Eagles in the off season, and even if you ask Rich, if I had asked him about this take in the off season, he would have said he was selling this take. He's not want anything to do with the Eagles in the Super Bowl. He's now on a hold. He has moved up. I was more on a hold. I am now buying this. What I have seen from the rest of this NFC conference does not have me worried. Am I worried about the Packers minus Devontae Adams going to be running the ball 
down our throats? Not necessarily. Maybe. You know, Don DeAndre Swift got over us in week one. But that game will be at home for Philadelphia against the Green Bay Packers. We played them in the playoffs. The Packers looked bad in week one. They looked better in week two. They still don't have anybody to throw the ball to. I'm not necessarily worried about them. I think if they have to put up points with the Eagles, they won't be able to do it. The Buccaneers have looked awful for two games straight. I know Mike Evans was ejected and some players were banged up. But even prior to that in the Cowboys game, they weren't looking particularly great. The Cowboys have so many injuries now that they. No, I'm not particularly worried about them. The Minnesota Vikings, who I honestly thought were our biggest competition, just got smoked 24-7. to New Orleans Saints almost... New Orleans Saints had to come back against the Falcons to win. They just lost against the Buccaneers, who didn't look good, who they normally beat. We've got an easy schedule, and you know what? I saw so many things in this game last night that answered questions that I had after Week 1 that would have had me more worried about our team going forward. The Lions did come back in that game. They were a few bad play calls away from catching up to us. Okay, I will admit that. But then you look this game. I mean, this game was never close at any point. We came out, we scored on the opening drive, forced a three and out. We had mistakes in this game. We had a block kick that they recovered. You know what they got off of it? A turnover. We had an interception that Jalen Hurts, not Jalen Hurts' fault, this ball bounced off of, was it Kenneth Gainwell or Boston Scott? One of those two's hands, it bounced off of their hands. The defender ended up with it. They recovered the ball deep in Eagles territory. You know what happened? Kirk Cousins threw an interception. That encourages me that when the Eagles did make mistakes last night on one side of the ball, the other side of the ball stepped up. It was not a compounding thing. One mistake didn't lead to another mistake. They seemed composed. They came out ready to go. Jalen Hurts was in command of that offense. He was throwing better. He saw some deep throws from him, some accuracy on those deep throws that we hadn't seen before. He wasn't underthrowing the guys good. like he Listen, had before. I'm... He was showing all the things. There was improvement in his accuracy, in his arm strength, his composure in the pocket. One of the things that we were looking for at the beginning that we stopped because we didn't even think it was an issue anymore that I talked about before was, was he one look to A.J. Brown and then run, and that's why A.J. Brown had you know 15 targets last week and nobody else did. That wasn't an issue. He spread the ball all around this week. We saw him get him Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. We got the running backs involved. It's not one look and run. He's going through the progressions. He's reading the defenses. He looks like he's taking that next step. This offense with a quarterback who's at least borderline top 10, I'm all in on this team going being a contender for the Super Bowl for the NFC. Yeah, it's like, like I said, it's... I was very, I, I was impressed by what I saw yesterday, and it's just I need to see more. I'm not ready to put them as contenders yet. I can't, I can't put them over the Rams. I can't put them over the Bucks. For the lack of pass catching options, I still can't put them over the Packers. I don't know if I could put them over the Niners. It's just some of these other teams, we've seen it. We we know the history. We know the trends. We know what they are. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. I know what the Eagles are yet. I need to see more. I don't think that if the Eagles put up 30 or so points that the Niners can score with them like that. You know, so I'm just yeah, not worried. About, I'm never worried about the Niners when it comes to you need to get into a shootout. Like, uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily it's not saying it's the Niners. They're going to be. I understand what you're saying. Team. They're going to be able to run the ball. They'll be able to keep our offense off the field. It's just I'm not saying we would lose to the Niners. I'm not saying. I'm just I need to see more. But all the other teams you would listed there: Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Uh, it's been two weeks. Who was the other two? two the Rams. But we've seen a lot of bad. The Rams almost lost to the Falcons. Yeah. 
We've seen a lot of bad from teams that we didn't need to be bad. So, like, teams that I didn't have think I had questions about, I now all of a sudden have a lot of questions about. It's like those. But, again, if we're talking, like, you've got only three or four teams that you're willing to say are ahead of them, then I think they are in the Super Bowl contention conversation. If they're one of the top five teams from the, the conference being talked mm-hmm. about for the position, I mean, at this point they're 2-0. and oh. They've got a leg up on the other teams uh, on uh, Green Bay and – uh, San Francisco and one other team that you the mentioned, Rams. the Rams, yeah, who are all one and one. So I mean, we don't get a chance to play any of them in the regular season, so we won't really know who's a better team until it gets to the playoffs. But that's the other thing with the easy schedule that they have too. I mean, I the Eagles are winning this division like in my that mind easily. I agree with yes. No, that's you know that's where we're on the same page. But how far they get after that? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. So with that being said, from a fantasy perspective, Jalen Hurts, 33 fantasy points. Devontae Smith had 15. Quez Watkins, 14.9. Quez Watkins will do this every so often. He's a big play guy. Don't don't pick up Quez Watkins. I have him in Dynasty. I dropped him in Dynasty, actually. I don't have him anymore. I'm, the big, I'm a huge Eagles fan. If I don't have Quez on my Dynasty team, you should not have him on your redraft team. Dallas Goddard, 13.2. Solid for a tight end. A.J. Brown, 11.9. Not quite last week, but this is something we talked about. This was what this was more what I expected from the Eagles offense, but not as skewed as it was in week one, where one guy's gonna come out and have fifteen points, one guy's gonna come out and have about eleven points, and just who is who on a given week might flip. And last week it was AJ Brown with, you know, thirty points and this week and Devontae Smith had zero. And this week they both got involved and we had a fifteen eleven split. So as somebody who owns AJ Brown, how are you feeling about the target distribution this week? I mean he out targeted Devontae Smith. This week, both games. I mean, week one we know we out targeted him, but week two, he also got him by one. Um, it's just, I'm not worried about it after after they, the offense they got up early. They didn't necessarily have to really keep throwing the ball to try and score, but the second half it seemed like they were just running the clock out. Yeah, it, 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 they almost seemed disinterested at certain points on offense. And it was just like, all right, cool. It, it, a down game for A.J. Brown, he gives me oh, basically 12 points. Like, cool. I'm cool with that. That's what I'm saying. So I'm holding my opinion on the wide receiver still because, again, it's fun. I need to see the third game. Week one, we had the opposite of what I thought was going to happen where all the volume went to one guy and Devontae Smith you know, had four targets but didn't catch any and had zero. And then this week it was more balanced. And now Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown is ahead. And so I want to see what happens next week. And again, it's not what I say – Am I buying? It's just I'm not sure that I'm buying week one where AJ Brown's going to see such a huge target shot. I might just be back to my original opinion of these two guys, which is one week AJ Brown gets ten targets and Devontae Smith gets seven, and then next week it's flipped, and then there's some Dallas Goddard sprinkled in there. That was my concern beforehand. It's kind of my concern now. AJ Brown is still significantly higher in my rankings than he was previously because a lot of other wide receivers have shown up with some question marks, but he's still inside my top fifteen for this upcoming week. Devontae Smith is not inside of my top 30. Again, I need to see more before I throw him in my lineup. I don't want to do that thing where he has one good game, I put him out there, and then he gets a dud, and now I'm out on Devontae Smith for the rest of the season for that. On the Vikings side of the ball, the Eagles defense did a good job of clamping him down. The Eagles have three good corners in Darius Slade, James Bradbury, and Devontae Maddox. And if you have a wide receiver going up against the Eagles defense, be prepared to downgrade them a little bit. You don't necessarily need to bench them, but... Justin Jefferson, who had 180 yards in Week One, 
not even close in week two. Nine point two. I'm sorry, ten point eight fantasy points. Irv Smith actually had the most fantasy points among Vikings players, fourteen point six. Talked about him in the previous episode where he could have even more if he had caught a long well, touchdown pass that it. he dropped. He brick-handed it. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? He's a tight end. I'm amazed he was even able to get down the field like that to get open. Adam Thielen, 9.2 points. Kirk Cousins, 8.84. And Dalvin Cook, 7.6. Another down week for Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. How are we feeling about these two players, Rich? Um, I'm less worried about Thielen than I am Cook. It's crazy as that sound. I know Thielen's a lot older. But um, the offense for the Vikings was bad yesterday. I don't expect them to be that poor all season. Um, I think Thielen will catch some touchdowns in the red zone. I, I don't think he's going to be – he's not going to be a big play guy or a guy who's going to be pure volume. Be a guy around five, six catches, and you're hoping he gets a touchdown. Um, now, Dalvin Cook, on the other hand, I'm starting to worry. He, he's another guy who we talked about in uh, with Zeke and Derrick Henry who looked a bit – on the older side, Dalvin Cook, he didn't look like he had that juice last night. And we were watching the game. And you came in expecting that to kind of be the game plan. You saw the way DeAndre Swift ran on us. Jamal Williams had found some success last week running on the Eagles. And you, you, I don't know. I figure, I don't know about you. I'm like, they're probably going to give the ball to Dalvin Cook, open us up, and then start banging us with play action to Justin Jefferson. I was expecting and, a big game from Dalvin Cook last night. And it was just that wasn't the case. I don't know if it was like a – a full-on commitment from the Eagles to stop the run, or if it was just Dalvin Cook is getting to that cliff. Yeah, I just felt like I've I've never like you know we're Eagles fans, so we, not like we get the Vikings game here or anything. We do watch and we see the red zones and all that, but like I don't know. I felt like I didn't see a whole lot of shiftiness or elusiveness out of him last night. You know what I mean? He seemed kind of one-dimensional in the run game, which just hand the ball and run. You know, run forward, like, you know, you can break off and run an angle towards the sideline, but it's still kind of just like running in a straight line. There wasn't a whole lot of shiftiness to make anybody miss and, like, not necessarily a lot of power to plow through people. He was also in a little bit of a rotation with Alexander Madison, and they got behind early, but Cook has been involved in the passing game before, and he thought it would have done more for him, but six targets, four catches for 19 yards. I mean, I take six targets a game for my running back. I just expect more if he catches four of them than just 19 yards, you know what I mean? Not like yeah. a whole lot more, but it just, you know, there needs to be some it's crazy too for an offense that, you know, is supposed to be so much improved and scored a bunch last week against the Packers that they only scored one touchdown. I don't expect the Vikings to only score one touchdown each week going forward. I expect a little bit more from them. I am I am hold leaning towards getting ready to sell with Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. I'm more down on Thielen. Thielen's another older wide receiver. Despite what the numbers say, he had seven targets, caught four of them, 53 yards. Go back again, watch the game, see where his targets came. He was uh, he was a dud on the stat board halfway through the game, I believe. I don't think he had done anything through the first half. We could double check that if you like. I don't think he did either, but n- neither did their whole offense. Like realistically, like it was a it was a it was a poor offensive showing from the Vikings with dominant. Well, Eric Smith could have had that touchdown, but yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. That was the type of night it was for the Vikings. Yeah, Justin it, Jefferson was not playing with like that one interception is on Justin Jefferson. He let you know Darius Slay undercut him and pick the ball off. He should have jumped in front of the wide receiver and you know undercut the route, but you know, he just, he didn't. And then um, there was a. Just a lot of drops last night for the Vikings. Just every guy. Irv Smith had that drop. Johnny Munt, their other tight end, had a drop. Jefferson had a drop. Thielen dropped the ball. Just everybody was dropping balls last night. And it's not going to help Kirk Cousins' primetime stats as he now moves to 2-10 and 10 on Monday Night Football. 
So, not good for Kirk Cousins, is good for the Philadelphia Eagles. As far as the Eagles go, point scored, I, I went through them already. Yeah, Miles Sanders, 11.6 points. Yeah. I think that's why I didn't get to Miles Sanders because we started to talk about A.J. Brown. Miles Sanders, 11.6 fantasy points. Again, with where you drafted Miles Sanders at to be a flex play, if not like your fourth running back on the bench, 11.6 points after the 15 or so he got you in week one. Watching the game, I can tell you Miles Sanders looked impressive. He looked better. He was doing things that he had not done before a lot better. He's not just trying to cut a bounce at the outside all the time. Had a little bit more patience, a little bit more vision with some things. Looked like he had stepped his game up to match you know, the way the rest of the offense has stepped their game up. Still not getting a whole lot of volumes. The downside to the Eagles running back. They're still working in Boston Scott and getting Canewell. He's still clearly the lead back there and the primary running back that you want. I, I don't really know that I have a strong conclusion to reach with Miles Sanders other than I'd probably have him on my bench to fill in for a running back on a bye week, and on a flex spot I'd be starting a wide receiver instead because there's a lot of great wide receivers out there. But if you have to start Miles Sanders as your RB2 each week, you could be in a worse shape. Yeah, for sure. There's you could have a Buffalo Bills running back or a 49ers running back. Or, or Rams running back. Or Patriots running back. Yeah. <laughs> or a Jets running back. So any other bad running back? All right. So anyway, anything else? Any final thoughts as we wrap up week two here, Rich? No, I'm ready for bed. I'm ready for bed, yeah. It's a late one, but that's going to be it. Everything from us. Again, my rankings will be out on our Twitter, at Fantasy Oddballs, on Thursday. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much you get anywhere you get your audio podcast. Until next time, I'm Ryan McNichols. I'm Rich Elk. Peace out.